And so I guess we can get to our interview with Eric. Full Gen Z. Full Gen Z. Full Gen Z. I should have it right here. Uh, you're the principal at Forest Bird Charter School, and this is a new position for you, although you've been with the school for nine years as a Spanish teacher before you took over this job. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got here, and what is your background? Um, so I have worked with kids for as long as I can remember. When I was in high school, I coached um, the youth gymnastics program there. I was a gymnast throughout high school um, and also a radio jockey, actually. I had a morning show, 88.5 WHSD. That was our call sign. Um, but then I went on to college and I earned an English education and Spanish minor degree. Um, and I taught ESL in Arizona. I went to school at Northern Arizona in Flagstaff. And I taught English as a second language for um, just a year and then went and traveled for six months and worked some odd jobs, you know, kind of. In, in so, Latin America? Uh, traveled, yes. <laughs> uh, I was in Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Guatemala. Yeah. Um, but then uh, basically spent all my money and called my parents and said, hey, can I get a ticket home? <laughs> and, uh, and you'll get a job when you get home. Exactly. So I went home and worked, worked for a little while um, and then made my way out to Bend, Oregon and worked as a wilderness therapy instructor for um, at-risk kids. So that was the... Um, the kind of program where, you know, kids who are struggling get sent to these therapeutic programs. And um, we were out there. I did that for four years, actually sleeping on the ground um, in the trenches. And then I worked at therapeutic boarding schools around here for another four years, uh, at which point I was introduced to the charter school. And I met Mary Jensen, the now executive director of the school. And she offered me a job as the study hall teacher, in fact, the first year. And then um, I moved into the Spanish program and well, I was the Spanish program because we're a small school. Mm -hmm. uh, and here I am now as hired as principal. Mm -hmm. And that happened uh, about nine months ago? Uh, it would have been April-ish. I was hired, and then um, the transition happened over the summer. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. So well, you took over for Jennifer? I did, yes. Gen what was her last name? Grieve, Jennifer oh, Grieve. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the transition from being a teacher to being a, an administrator, how does, how's that gone? Um... A lot of things to learn, I imagine. Yeah, there's yeah. a ton, a ton to learn. So charter schools are unique in that um, teachers can become administrators after a certain amount of time. They need five years classroom experience and mentorship. Um, and so at this point, all of my background has been training for principal, the principalship, but I don't have any formal training, right? That's coming in the next couple of years. But um, so the transition has been very interesting, right? Um, I'm still trying to maintain a focus on the kids as much as possible. I feel like that's the duty of the principal, but I'm also now um, juggling families and teacher relationships and trying to, you know, there, there's uh, there's a lot of detective work actually as mm -hmm. principal where, um, which I didn't, I didn't realize. <laughs> right. It's really finding, uh, being the spokesperson for all. So you have to know all of the different parts the teachers, the, the parents, and the students. Um, people have questions about charter schools. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Forest Bird Charter School. As a charter school, who manages and how does that? how is it facilitated? And what distinguishes a charter school from a public school? Both both are public, publicly funded. So what's the difference? Just a broader picture. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so charter schools in Idaho, specifically Idaho um, education law, 
Uh, charter schools are tuition-free public schools open to all students, and really they developed because um, we love choice as Americans, as humans, as Idahoans. We want to have choice, and so um, we live in a time where one-size-fits-all education really doesn't work, and we know that, uh, and so charter schools evolved as a response to that. Um, I think the most important thing is that the charter is supposed to encourage innovative teaching methods, um, and those innovative methods are supposed to be part of the mission of the school. And so our mission at Forest Bird is creating innovative learning opportunities by fostering community, individuality, and imagination. Um, and so we're, as a charter school, because we're a public school, we're still beholden to the same rules, regulations, state testing, um, everything that a normal public school would be um, subject to. Um, parents have to enroll their schools. Uh, we are, we're actually operated by our own independent school board, but we're authorized by LPOSD. So do you get a different type of student? I would assume that you know, kids and families basically self-select to come to the charter school. How, how does your student body different, differ maybe than what uh, public schools would have? Um, that's a great question, Chris. Because we focus on project-based learning, um, we tend to get students who are, um, more creative, who think outside the box, who, you know, your multiple choice test as assessment doesn't necessarily work for them. Um, so, you know, project, project-based learning looks different in every classroom, but for instance, in, um, the history classroom, there's been several role-playing things where there's a colonies activity that they do where um, students are basically assigned themselves to separate colonies, you know, early America, early United States, assign themselves to separate colonies, and then they actually create the world of the colonies at that point. And they're trading and they have mock bat, like, you know, like card game or die game type battles, that sort of thing. And so it's 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 a little bit more immersive, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, Learning from doing and participating. So there's a lot of need for participation by the student, or at least, as you say, um, being interested and creative in their approach to learning. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say I would say that's spot on. And, you know, there is still part of learning, no matter at what level, and I think in, in any environment, there is the reading, watching videos, answering questions. There is that sort of traditional educational method, but part of what we really try to do is um, give students opportunities to prove their knowledge in different ways, ways that are, um, I think, maybe better for that particular student. Are, are class sizes uh, larger or smaller than public schools in general or about the same? Yeah, so our, our, in our charter, our, our maximum class size is 23 students, and most of the time they're smaller than that. I would say 15 to 20 is an average class size, although in the core classes like English, social studies, and so on, um, they will be up at that 20, 23-person mark. Mm -hmm. And so you, you do have to limit. So the, the number of kids that can enroll. Yes. So yeah. is that it, a lottery? How, how do you decide if you get more than you can fit? Uh, so we have, it's a, that's a good question, and I'll just, um, we have an open enrollment period, and it is a lottery. Um, the open enrollment is actually opening on February 16th, and so anybody who's interested in um, applying to the school or enrolling can get online and fill out an application. But right now we have space for students, um, that said, it generally things generally fill up pretty quickly, um, and so it is always a lottery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
one of the things when you're talking about project-based learning, so the teachers buy into it. So do, do you, how do you find the teachers that it's a different, it's different, and do they really appreciate that kind of approach to teaching? And how, you know, it's a teamwork, team effort, I'm it, sure. Yes, it is, absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll speak as a teacher since I feel like I'm sort of still exiting out of that side of it. As a teacher, I appreciated the environment and philosophy at Forestburg Charter School more than any other place I've worked, um, especially with young people. The We're given the freedom to create projects, um, to teach as we see fit. In fact, Forestburg Charter School, we don't use textbooks. There are, there are some programs where we'll, we'll use one as a supplement or what have you, but as teachers, we're expected to be experts in our content area. And so that means that we create the curriculum. My curriculum for my Spanish classes was almost entirely um, student-driven, I would say. There was, um, the, between the projects and um, what I had going on, the students, we would, we would create stories together in Spanish. Um, but it, it is very much a team environment and for a teacher who wants to just you know have a curriculum given to them that sort of thing and just make it happen that it's not a quite the right environment you have to be a go-getter so a lot of creativity can go into it if you choose to you could do a play in spanish you could do songs in spanish indeed i did the wizard of oz once in spanish oh (laughs) exciting (laughs) yeah (laughs) so a lot of uh Freedom in developing the curriculum, the pedagogical approach, you just described that. Um, no textbooks necessarily. You might bring in resources and things like that. So who kind of oversees when a teacher kind of starts uh, developing their curriculum for the year? Is there a, a support team that works with that teacher? Absolutely. So new teachers have mentor veteran teachers. Uh, we also have a teacher coach this year. It's a new position that we're playing around with and that that person is doing exactly what it sounds like, coaching new teachers or veteran teachers who want to expand their um, their skills. And then the principal, myself, and the director, Mary Jensen, we're all in that together, mentoring these teachers, looking at their curriculum, making sure that they're aligned with state standards um, and, and giving them pointers. You know, we, we use a online learning management system, which is a mouthful, but it's called Canvas. And that alone for teachers, new teachers, takes a, a long time to learn. And so that's part of the training as well. Mm-hmm. Well, so how's the current school year going? Fantastic, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> your, your first time out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, it. I didn't know what to expect being on, on now, you know, the other side of the curtain. I feel a little bit like the Wizard of Oz sometimes where I'm in, the, in my office making phone calls and announcing things. Um, but Pero no necesita hablar español. No, no. si no quiero, no necesito. <laughs> but it does, you know, I just had a family who came in last week who um, I was saying, oh, you know, I was the Spanish teacher and the mother just started rapping in Spanish. And so it's nice to be able to have that connection with family oh, yeah. still. Um, but yeah, the school's going great. I mean, like I think most, well, yeah, like all schools across the nation, there's been a real uh, battle with attendance, with getting kids back in the building after the pandemic. And um, this is the first year, I think, that, well, we've adopted a new attendance policy, but this is the first year that I think we're seeing 
a real return to normalcy after the pandemic. We're um, we're starting to do more community events, which we were doing loads of 2017, 18, 19, um, and just having, you know, families and kids and people in the building. And we're getting back to that uh, in a lot of ways. Is remote learning still an option? Remote learning is not an option okay. with us. Yeah. If you're going to attend Forestburg Charter School, you must be a student in the building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though our, our, you know, our educational materials are hosted online, that's just in lieu of textbooks, right? Um, we still, you must be in the building. Was that true during the pandemic as well? No, we were set up quite nicely for the pandemic mm. because all of our educational materials were hosted on this canvas. Mm. Um, it was a very simple and relatively smooth transition. Uh, that being said, I you know I mentioned our attendance policy. The reason that we created our attendance policy and the reason that we want people in the building is because our charter and our mission is about community. It's about relationships. And if you're not in the building, you can't build relationships. I can't go and pop into somebody's classroom and talk to the students and sit down and see what they're learning if they're not in the building. And they know who you are. Indeed. And the yeah. families know who you are. So it's yeah. everyone knows everyone, it sounds like. Absolutely. And, and you know, we're small. Right now we're at about 260-some students, um, which we have the capacity for, I think, over 300. Um, but everybody it's it's my goal i actually study student photos in our management system so that i can learn every student's name because i want to know them i want to be able to connect with every kid in the building mm-hmm. so um you're moving forward and you said during the pandemic you lost that um community feel you were doing events before the pandemic so what are you bringing back now or last year possibly that are some of those community events that you know, kind of meet your mission. So this year we started, um, I guess we started back up a, uh, a craft fair. We had a very small scale craft fair that we did in the fall, um, which, you know, things evolve and change. Um, and so that, that may continue forward. We're bec- because we're in this place of starting events again, it's almost like we have this tabula rasa where we're trying to figure out, okay, did we like that event? Uh, is there ways that we could improve on that? So th- some of the things that we have done in the past, um, we had uh, basically with our um, our family student conferences, our, our teacher conferences, um, we would invite different community services to the school. Sometimes we had representatives from local gyms. We had accounting firms. We had... Um, I think like a salon there one time, like just various things, trying to get people into the building to see what we're about. And so that families can make connections with different services they might need. Um, and so that may be something that we do moving forward again as well. Kind of integrating and in staying connected. Absolutely. So besides community, it's about connections, yes. as you say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot going on here. I just want to remind our listeners we're ta- talking with Eric. Ugenzi. He's the principal at Forest Bird Charter School, and it's a unique thing. Most There are charter schools around the state, so this is an Idaho charter school, but we're very, I mean, it appears from what you're saying and from what I know about Forest Bird Charter School, we're very fortunate to have an op, another choice in education. Absolutely, yeah. That's that's what charter schools are all about, is making sure that people have choice in education and they can find the best fit for their child for mm-hmm. for their education and you go through high school 
Yes. Yeah, we're, we're is 6 there, through is 12. There a, is there a career, um, well, a, a track for kids to figure out what they're going to do next after high school? So we have um, all students, in fact, all students in Idaho um, can enroll in what's called advanced opportunities in sixth or rather seventh and eighth grade. And then in high school, it becomes dual credit. And so um, these students in middle school, they can take credit for high school classes. And in high school, they can get credit for college classes. There's several students each year, two to four students each year um, actually graduate high school with an associate's degree. I should say three weeks before they graduate from high school, they walk and earn their, their associate's mm-hmm. degree. Um, and so as far as track sort of things, career tracks, that's, that's about um, what we offer, but we do, we have several different career exploration options. And then we have um, a career and college counselor as well, Mitzi Vasecki, and she helps kids. I mean, she starts working with students in sixth grade uh, if they're inclined and she will get them the information they need. And she's, she's a rock star. She does just incredible work with our kids. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know how many of your kids go on to, to a, another education beyond high school? That's a number or- that I don't have for you right now. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're talking about students being dual enrolled, say in high school, getting their mm-hmm. associate's degree in a college, is that with uh, what school are they associated with? So that's through NIC. NIC. Yep. Mm-hmm. How does that, I've always wondered, because I've heard that, and there's advanced placement classes, but then there's these uh, college classes. How do they manage that as young people? Uh, it, it's pretty demanding, honestly. It yeah. So if they start... With dual credit as freshmen, um, there's usually one to two classes that they'll take. And one of those is actually offered. Our English 101 and English 102 are offered in the building and taught by one of our teachers, so who is also a professor at NIC. Um, and then moving forward, what happens is we arrange their schedule so that they can either take classes at the satellite campus up here or um, I have a junior this year who is actually two different juniors who are full-time NIC students. They drive down to the Coeur d'Alene campus um, two, four days a week, and they're fully enrolled in college classes as juniors, still earning high school credits. And um, So meeting the requirements for high school, but also taking these other classes. Yeah. Yeah, That's and it's, it's very rigorous. It really yeah. is. Like these are top tier students, and but it's available. That opportunity is available to everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of extracurricular activities and athletics can the kids engage in? Uh, so we partner with Sandpoint High School. If students would like to participate in athletics, there's re- reciprocity there. Um, and same with extracurricular activities there. And even if there's, let's say, so we don't have a drama program or. Um, like welding, right? If a student wanted to take one of those courses, they could go over to Sandpoint High School for a class or something like that. Not a lot of students do that because mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of logistics involved. But um, And then as far as clubs go, we, we partner with um, Rotary Interas- International for the Interact Club. So we have several students very active in that service club. There's a ham radio club, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, And I believe they were just on the radio last week. Oh, that's right. Or maybe two. Yeah, just just last week. Mark Weber. Um, And then we have a game club and music club. And those are just after-school deals where the kids sit down and either jam together or play like Dungeons and Dragons is really Mm -hmm. popular now. And so they're playing that a lot. Um, 
So mm-hmm. yeah, so they were they were in last Thursday and talked with uh, Jim and Jack yeah. Yeah, on, right. on the morning show. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. they're so. working to they're doing a fundraiser for polio Indeed. and childhood polio. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. It sounds like not only is it academic, the Forestburg Charter School is academically vigorous or rigorous, um, but also fun and family oriented to bring to keep that the best, you know, part of being a parent. Parents can be involved. Absolutely. Um, and how do they be involved besides uh, supporting their child and um, having communication with the faculty? So there's. Obviously, any event that we host is open to families and um, family members. And then as far as involvement, one of the things, so we, we have fully embraced technology at Charter, Forestburg Charter School. And so with this Canvas program, um, all the parents can basically get an account that's linked to their student's account and monitor what, what they're doing in their classes and what they're working on and missing, et cetera. Um, and then beyond that, we have um, some families have come to um, board meetings just to see what's going on. Open meetings. Yep, open meetings, absolutely. Um, and then um, there's also just volunteer opportunities, like if, a, for instance, one of these, uh, a family that just enrolled, um, the mom was telling me, like, I've got all this um, culinary experience. I would love to come help out in culinary classes. And so that's something that we're absolutely open to. And we want people to come mm-hmm. in and give their expertise, right? As with the philosophy of teachers being experts, bringing in outside experts, especially parents, we love that. I think last year, KRFY, this community radio station, had uh, some students do a morning, uh, they they broadcast, they, we recorded it ahead of time and they had their own songs and they introduced them and it was Excellent. a really fun interaction cool. over there at the charter school. So you're partway through the year, you have a trimester system mm-hmm. is what you said. Um, how has it been going? You kind of already said how it's been going, but any milestones so far and what's coming up? Uh, I would say my big milestone, this is a personal thing, I got to call my first snow day last year, <laughs> or last week, which was kind of nerve-wracking, right? It feels like, oh my gosh, am I doing the right thing? Um, but, uh, you know, other milestones, I think, like I said, we're trying to get back in and involved in the community. Um, and that's that's really what we're focused on right now. Uh, next week, no. February, February 12th, uh, our ham radio club is doing the national radio competition where they try and um, receive as many contacts as they can. And then February 16th, like I said, our open enrollment period starts. So that's the time to sign up to have your student attend Forest Bird Charter School. You have a great website with a lot of contact information. It actually has pictures of all your teachers, and that's how I found you. So um, tell us how do people get a hold of you what's the contact information that website all that kind of thing um the website i'll I'll give a shout out to one of our um tech guys here skylar kent he built that whole website last year and launched it and um it's just fantastic um but as far so our website is uh www.forestbirdcharterschool.org and there's two r's in forest we're named Mm -hmm. after the famous inventor and pilot from around here, mm-hmm. Forrest, Dr. Forrest Bird. Um, and so it, can, and I suggest just Googling Forrest Bird Charter School. Okay. <laughs> Getting here that way, yeah. Yeah. It'll show right up. Yep, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, so, yeah, you can go to the website. You can give us a call, 255-7771. Um, you can schedule a visit. Um, 
I think that's important for parents to come and experience firsthand what their child will be going to do for at least four years. It could be more. Absolutely. And the school is just a block or two off the beaten path. Can you give us the uh, address? It is. It's yeah. 615 South Madison. Um, and that, it's a little bit tricky to get to, but Google, you go, Google you go, will get you there. Go, Google get you. It's basically off the division, right? South yeah. division. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have the next four months coming up. As you said, February 16th is the first day you can apply for the open enrollment. Just a, a good date to remember if you're interested parents in mm-hmm. finding out more. And I think that's about what we have to say. Eric, unless you would like to throw out any other shout outs real fast. I think I'll just plug our third trimester project real quick. So the third trimester is about half the time as our others, uh, because during the first two, students earn all their mandatory credits for the year. And so third trimester is almost all electives for students. And during that time, high school students get the opportunity to create a project that is entirely student-driven, student-led, student-graded, just it's it's a fantastic opportunity for a student to earn credit for something that they love doing. We've had students go to ground school for piloting, uh, build chainmail armor, build a robotics rover, paint. Um, with some of the murals in the art alley down here are a result of the third third mm-hmm. trimester project. So it's it's one of those creative community pieces that mm-hmm. makes our school really really. Unique. So, Maybe. The, so the chainmail project to get together the robotic project, <laughs> and you could have a, a well armored robot. Absolutely. Yeah. Or someone could come over to KRFY and do an internship. One hundred percent. Keep that in mind. Yes, we would love that. Um, so you know, congratulations on your new position at the Thank school. You. It's a big job. It is. And it sounds like you're a hundred percent enthusiastic about it. I love it. <laughs> All right. And maybe one, and you still get to get into the classroom, know the students, be involved with the parents. That's Absolutely. fantastic. So, mm-hmm. congratulations on that, and thanks for coming in today. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me.